Listener Production. Hello, it is Antoinette Latouf with you. So during lockdowns, dating app downloads really peaked. But since then, interest in apps like Tinder and Bumble have really dropped off. They will swipe a lot, connect a lot, and then think to themselves, this is like a second job. Like I have a fatigue from having to respond to all these messages, from having to connect to all of these people. Experts say another reason for this is because Gen Z are more fluid when it comes to things like sexuality and they don't like having to tick a bunch of boxes. So have dating apps reached their climax? And if so, what does navigating relationships look like in a post-swipe world? That's our briefing topic I'll be bringing you in the second half of the show. Let's first head to the listener newsroom to get all of the big stories of the day. It is Easter Monday, the 10th of April. I hope your chocolate hangovers aren't too bad. Thanks, Antoinette. Well, with everyone still away for the Easter long weekend, or maybe you're driving back home, we uh, start with a reminder to stay safe on the roads and in the water. So far, eight people have lost their lives in crashes across New South Wales, Victoria and Tasmania. Well, yesterday, two men died in separate drowning incidents at New South Wales beaches. Meantime, a long weekend camping trip has gone horribly wrong. A woman became trapped for more than half an hour after a gum tree collapsed on their campsite in the Southern Downs National Park. That's near the Queensland-New South Wales border. Now, the woman in her 20s was sitting with friends and their dogs under a gazebo when the tree suddenly fell down. She was eventually flown to hospital. To other news now, a cyclone is expected to form off the WA coast later this morning. Gale force winds of up to 90 k's an hour and heavy rain are likely for the Kimberley region. And the Weather Bureau's Luke Huntington expects it to only get worse. From Wednesday, we expect that to become a severe cyclone, um, which means it's likely to increase to a Category 3 strength cyclone. And it could be up to a Category 4 crossing the coast between Broome and Port Helen on Thursday. Delving into some politics now and the PM has been invited to attend NATO's upcoming meeting amid concerns about China's growing relationship with Russia. Now, leaders from New Zealand, South Korea and Japan have also received an invitation for the July summit. And this all comes as China will continue military drills around Taiwan for the third consecutive day. Beijing has labelled the drills a stern warning to the island after its president visited the US last week. A Taiwanese local has told the ABC at least 71 Chinese jets were seen flying around the island on Saturday. President Tsai travelling abroad increases everyone's awareness of Taiwan. Of course it's unavoidable that there will be some verbal and military intimidation from China, but this sort of thing has been going on for a long time. Turning to some sporting news and historical claims of sexual abuse within the Geelong Football Club have now reached a Victorian court. Legal proceedings have begun, launched by a person involved in one of the club's teams in the early 80s. In a statement, the club says it's taking the matter extremely seriously. In golf, Tiger Woods has withdrawn from the Masters. The 47-year-old won't play the final of the Augusta National after aggravating a leg injury he suffered in that 2021 high-speed crash. And we finish up with more news on the Royals. The King has attended his first Easter Sunday service as monarch. Charles was joined by Camilla and his siblings, Princess Anne and Prince Andrew, as they entered the church, marking their first Easter without their mother, the Queen. 
So if you feel your dating life is in a bit of a rut and has slumped, there's a bit of good news, I guess, because you're not alone. It turns out that dating apps are losing their mojo too. So during the peak of the pandemic, downloads for these apps really surged, but they've been steadily declining since. Bumble has taken a tumble. Tinder downloads have dropped too. So are we falling out of love or even lust with dating apps? And and what do they need to do to keep attracting people? Lisa Portolan is an author and PhD candidate at Western Sydney University. She specialises in dating apps and digital intimacy. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. So have dating apps reached their climax? So we definitely saw slumps across the last 12 months in terms of downloads for dating apps. And I guess that would indicate that potentially there has been some sort of climax that's occurred. However, the interesting thing about it is that it is sort of a post-COVID world. So leading into COVID, there were some really high uptakes of dating apps, the highest sort of uptakes that had ever been. So everyone was talking about, you know, how they were downloading new apps, um, how they'd seen the strongest numbers ever, et cetera. So I guess we sort of have to reflect on the fact that these new slumps come as we go into this post-COVID sort of world, or not necessarily a post-COVID world, but a post-lockdown world. So, you know, people can go back out there and mingle and meet people face-to-face. So is this drop across the board? Are we seeing certain groups less interested, like either generationally or gender or sexuality? An ongoing problem across a lot of dating apps is engaging Gen Z, a younger cohort of people. And I guess that's around the fact that um, Gen Z sort of is a lot more fluid from a gender, relationship, um, sexuality perspective as well, and probably a lot more sort of empathetic and compassionate as well. So there are a lot less of that generation of who's hot and who's not which is what sort of bred dating apps to start with. So I guess, you know, the big dating apps, their stronghold really was with um, Gen X and with Gen Y. And with this new generation, they've sort of struggled to adapt. For example, a lot of the big dating apps sort of worked on a gender binary for a long time. So you had to tick whether you were male or you were female and sort of you had to make very clear what type of sexuality you had and what you were looking for, right? And then it was hard to reverse out of that right? So you couldn't exactly change it very quickly. And some of the apps actually had it hardwired that you could only change it once. So Bumble, for example. This new generation, which is a lot more fluid, is looking for something that's a, a little bit more, you know, that's not so solid, that's not so binary, um, that allows for a lot more exploration. And the dating apps have sort of stumbled a bit to get into that mode. And you research digital intimacy trends across yeah. the board. Yeah. What other things yeah. are you finding? A lot of people find it quite, and bizarrely enough, find it quite odd to be meeting someone within a digital environment. Deep down, there is this sense that we should be meeting someone face to face, right? So there is this idea that we should be meeting people organically, um, that, you know, when, when you meet someone that is going to be a life partner, for example, that it's going to have a more significant sort of opening from a relationship perspective. So while a lot of people do meet their partners on dating apps, they have this sense inwardly that they should be meeting someone face to face and potentially that they failed at doing this and have had to resort to the dating app um, sort of scene. The other one is that people do fall in and out of love with dating apps and it Mm. tends to be a cyclical sort of journey. So 
They will download the dating apps at a certain point in time. They will swipe a lot, connect a lot, and then think to themselves, this is like a second job. Like I have a fatigue from having to respond to all these messages, from having to connect to all of these people. And basically I've had enough. And then they'll delete everything. They'll delete the dating apps and they'll go back out into the in real life sort of space Mm. and look to meet someone and think, actually, this isn't working either. And they'll return to the Mm. dating app. So it's kind of like a circle of use, which is another key trend and episodic use of dating apps. The other element that I sort of found in in my research is that people tended to sort of work within uh, certain confines in setting up their profiles, you know. So they felt like if they portrayed themselves authentically, that they would have less opportunity to actually find a match. So they ended up playing to certain ideals of what a woman should be or what a man should be, which were highly stereotypical. Just hearing you explain that, it makes sense then why Gen Z wouldn't find that appealing. You know, a man has to be especially blokey. A woman has to be, you know, stereotypically low maintenance or cool or all these stereotypes that we've been working really hard to try and undo. Correct, correct. Yeah. So I think, you know, this this younger generation of people, you know, Gen Z, they are very fluid and they do have different ideas around sexuality, gender and relationship. But beside that, they're, they're fairly authentic. They're fairly mm. compassionate. You know, they have a lot of, you know, ethos within the climate space. Um, they're fairly political, all those different things. So, you know, they're a lot more, you know, and I hate to use the word authentic, but they're looking to, to be more engaged mm. and more authentic with the world overall. So this world of dating apps is quite isolating for them, you know. So we are sort of seeing that dating apps have to really try very hard to engage Generation Z in different ways. Let's talk about safety as well on dating apps because that's been in the headlines a lot. Um, A report late last year from the Australian Institute of Criminology found that three in four people had been victims of some sort of sexual violence in the past five years and that includes violent language, unsolicited images, threats. Do you think this is part of why some people may no longer be swiping? I think definitely it is. And look, you know, the really interesting thing for me is, you know, I mean, my research focused a lot on intimacy and the development of intimacy within um, the digital environment. It wasn't necessarily focused on um, technologically facilitated violence. However, Within all of the stories that I heard, the majority of people had some sort of violent or abusive behaviour that they had encountered in the online environment. And the really off-putting part about that was that they would often speak about it as though it was second nature, as though, oh, this is just part Mm. of the digital landscape. It was something that they had accepted rather than something that they were calling out as very bizarre. And, you know, this this is very off-putting because it means that it happens a lot and it's a a socialised behaviour almost within the digital space. The violence online was across multiple facets. So, for example, it could be someone being very rude about a person's look, you know, whether it was fat shaming, whether it was slut shaming, whether it was any of those things. But there was also a lot of um, racial undertones that went on. I think that a lot of these behaviours do go on in an online space, and that is because of the fact that there is a level of anonymity um, in terms of being able to hide behind a screen and not having any repercussions behind them. 
These behaviours are not just happening in the digital environment, right? They would happen in a face-to-face environment as well. And the digital environment simply mimics what's going on within the face-to-face environment. So these are behaviours that are happening in Australia today. So I think, you know, if we talk about sexual violence or racism or any of those sorts of things and we think they're only happening in the digital domain, that's absolutely incorrect. Do you think the future of dating app success may lie in more niche apps or perhaps culturally specific dating apps? Because I know you've done some research on in yeah. this area. There's J Junction, yeah. which is a matchmaking service for the Jewish community. There's Shadi.com, yeah. which is for the Indian yeah. Australians. Do yeah. you think that's where dating apps are heading? Certainly there has been a proliferation of, of dating apps. You know, back in the day you had your heavy hitters, which was sort of Tinder and Bumble and Hinge and that sort of thing. And what, what we're seeing at the moment is that there is, you know, a proliferation of smaller apps, you know, whether it's Coffee Meets Bagel or Tantan or Her, but they're, they're you know, more targeted towards specific groups of people. And, and definitely there is sort of, you know, these ethnic dating apps that are having a lot of impact as well. One of the issues that did come up in my research was that there was this undercurrent of racism on dating apps, for example. So, for example, I had a series of Asian men within my research who sort of said, Tinder's not the space for me, right? Mm -hmm. I don't really get a lot of swipes. I don't get a lot of matches. It's basically because it's, it's not really a space for Asian men, right, which surprised me. Obviously, because, you know, when it's not your experience, you're like, wow, I didn't know that was happening, but it is happening. So, you know, they'd say Tantan is a great app for Asian men. It's where we connect. So I think there's certainly, you know, this space where a lot of these um, more ethnic focused dating apps are having a fair bit of success. I think things are changing within this market, right? So at the moment, big players like Tinder, Bumble and Hinge are still right up the top, but you are seeing these smaller dating apps coming up and people having a fair bit of success. The one thing you've got to remember with dating apps is that it's around the ubiquity of use, right? So, you know, as much as you can have a niche app, if there's not a group of people on there, you actually can't match up with someone, you know, within your area, for example. So it is about, you know, building that groundswell around the smaller apps as well. But I do think the landscape is really changing. And I think the bigger apps are sort of scrambling to figure out how best to play in this space. That was Lisa Portalan, an author and PhD candidate at Western Sydney Uni, who researches dating apps and digital intimacy. Lots of interesting stuff there, um, particularly around Gen Z and more broadly what some of these dating apps need to do to stay relevant. And it really comes down to being inclusive and providing safe spaces. And that includes challenging sexual violence, making people feel safe, you know, racially and also responding to gender fluidity. And I have no doubt they're like, there are some dudes with rigid views of the world who are sitting in these boardrooms um, making decisions, thinking, oh, what is this woke nonsense? Well, it's where society is. It's where business needs to be. And if you don't adapt and you're not inclusive, you're going to lose customers. You're going to lose money. At the end of the day, diverse and inclusive spaces and organisations, they're just simply more innovative. They're more profitable. And you'll not only please your shareholders, you'll actually help more people happily, safely and successfully navigate dating. Listener.